podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, it's Chris here from the Gallagate Shots YouTube channel. Just to let you know, as always, this podcast is now part of the 90 Minute Football Network and proudly sponsored by www.pt-4-u.co.uk. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel. It's me, Chris Wallace, joined by Matty Shuttleworth and our very special guest tonight, Keith Downey's here. How you doing, guys? I'm not bad. How are you doing? Are you exhausted? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm counting down the days until February the 1st, I have to say. <laughs> In fact, today I had a rare day off and I managed to get about 10 minutes to look at potential holidays. <laughs> uh, when are you booking your holidays for? <laughs> uh, literally the minute that transfer window closes. Um, it's crazy at the moment. Listen, I'm sure you guys are aware you can see everything that's on social media and Twitter and all the links to different players. And uh, we were just spe speaking before we came on air. There are people who probably would never have been involved with Newcastle before suddenly sort of being the oracle and everything that's going on. And mm. it's, um, it's it's difficult for everyone concerned, not least the owners. Um, and it's, it's, it, is a, it is a long old month. It is tiring. It's not even, it's not even the people say to me all the time, um, standing outside the stadium or the training ground, you must be freezing, you must be bored. That's probably the, the easier part is the, just the non-stop phone calls and messages and check this out and speak to this person and find out about this. And because of social media now as well, everyone's got a voice and it, it makes... It even more difficult mm. to weed through the rubbish to get to the the actual yeah. news. So it's it's pretty busy. But listen, I'm sure it's the same for you guys as well. Whether you've been at your day <laughs> job today and coming and doing this at night or whatever, I'm sure it's the same for the supporters as well who are living and breathing every Mate, single minute. People of it. think we do this full time. <laughs> they don't realise we've got yeah. full time jobs. Then yeah. do this afterwards. Um, what I want to start with, obviously, I've said in, in the build up this that our interest right now is to what a day is like for you so it's so your normal typical day when you're working for, for sky sports news obviously in the past under previous ownership you've probably had your feet up most of the time when it comes to newcastle united yeah um i'm guessing it's been a bit of a whirlwind yeah i mean the, the last I've, I've been here since 2013 in the northeast so I, this is my 17th transfer window and i have to say in the opening two weeks it's been probably busier than the rest combined it's been it's been crazy it really has been listen i wouldn't have it any other way it's great i think we're all in a place now and i when i say we i mean you guys as supporters as well where we're all engaged and we're all enjoying the journey and the ride maybe the transfer window hasn't quite been what perhaps the owners would have hoped mm. for there's still time left to, to do some business but listen we all know how difficult the january transfer window is eddie howe has said it a number of times yeah. how difficult it is and like previous managers have said the same steve bruce said it rafa said it it is a very, very difficult window to navigate. Um, in, in terms of myself, um, every day is different. I was on a day a day off today. I've been on the phone all day. I've charged it twice. Um, I was late here tonight because I was dealing with something, you know, trying to check something out regarding mm. a transfer. Um, you don't really get a day off. You're on call the whole time. Um, but listen, I'm not complaining because it's fun. It's the sort of thing I wanted to do since I was a, a young kid. So I'm not going to complain about it. I would rather it was that than I was sitting about with no news to tell 
and we're on the you know transfer deadline day, like in the summer there, and I got sent to Leeds rather than Newcastle mm. because there was nothing happening. <laughs> but so well, it's changed. Me, me and Matt, you were then. talking about that before, and obviously, I don't want to obviously speak badly against the northeast clubs, but nine out of ten times you'll probably find yourself in Newcastle on the likes of transfer deadline day. But over the last handful of years, yeah. you've either been at Sutton's training yeah. ground or did you were you at Borough once? Yeah, I was at Borough one year, yeah, yeah. I had to go down and stay there the night before and that was but that was when Middlesbrough in the Premier League. Yeah. So what I would normally do on transfer deadline day the night before, I would look at it. I'd speak to people at the clubs, I'd speak to agents, I'd try and find out what we thought there was a chance of happening. Mm. And then I would pick what I thought was going to be the busiest club. Now I was at Sun when in my early days in 2013-14, I was at Sunderland for a couple because they were trying to bring players in. I remember Lee Catamo one day was on his way down to Stoke and changed his mind and mm. came back up and they signed a couple of players. I can't remember I mean, we were talking so long ago. But generally speaking, as you guys well know under Mike Ashley, he didn't like to do his transfer dealing late and he wanted players in if he was signing mm. anyone early. He didn't want it because he knew he was having to play, pay a premium on, on yeah. uh, transfer deadline day. So I just kind of made the decision as to wh- which was going to be the busier club. And then in the summer there, um, we've we've had a slight change in terms of some of our reporters at Sky. Um, and I was told I had to cover, I think the guy who covered Leeds was maybe on holiday, my colleague Tim Thornton. And I got told I had to cover Leeds and Newcastle from Newcastle. But I was aware Newcastle were doing nothing. Yeah. Obviously, didn't yeah. want to make too big a deal of it. But I then found out they were going to bring Daniel James in the next day in a big money move. And I thought, you know what? We're going to have more news from down there. So sadly for Newcastle, I went down and covered Leeds United instead. But I don't think there is any debate as to where I'm going to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> Monday, I am going to be here. And I would imagine for the next number of transfer windows, I'll be here as well because mm. I think it's going to be a roller coaster ride over the next couple of years. And mm. I think transfer windows are going to be the, the pinnacle of that. Yeah. And um, what I want to touch on, I know you, you've spoken about this a few times um, on other podcasts and, and obviously shows that you have done. Uh, transfer. Well, obviously, it's not transfer day. The, the, the takeover day. Yeah. Obviously, you, you were at St. James Park, and I had texted you in the morning saying that there's queues already at the box office. Did I People, reply? You did, I, did straight I? away. I was yeah. say, because I got home that night, and I had so many. Like, <laughs> you did. So there you go. I replied I, to I you, texted so. you saying, Keith, I, like, I know you're up on, on the car park. I was, but there's a huge queue at the, uh, queue at the box office. Fans so trying what, to buy season the, tickets. Was that on the seventh? On the Thursday. So it was yeah. the morning before it broke. Um. So so it was actually people. Oh, the morning of the seventh. Uh, ah, yeah, so, so yeah. the morning that, that it actually broke. So so earlier on in the day, people actually obviously knew yeah. that was so close to that. What was that experience like for you? Because obviously, behind the c- camera and before the camera goes live, you must have thought. I've got a big job here to announce yeah, this takeover. I didn't sleep the night before. I knew you just know when you've got one of those big days coming. Um, and I really was playing it all out in my head how I was going to say it, how I was going to break the news, the way I wanted to do it, and then eventually when it happened, that just went all out my head, and it, I just kind of went with kind of what came to me at the time. Mm. It was amazing to be part of. It really was. It was. Um, it was a special day, probably one of the the highlights of my career in terms of the magnitude of the story. And I think as the news was breaking, because it was such a it was such a climatic time, it was like I think it was quarter past five or twenty past five. Yeah, it was, yeah. People were finishing work and coming out of school or whatever it was, and they were coming down. And as you know, they were congregating at the stadium, and it just kind of it, it actually worked out quite well. Because normally with these stories, I just love when they happen like that, and then it's you know you can you can kind of just hit hit, hit the story and it's big. But I think with this, because it built up all day, it kind of added up towards a crescendo and we were obviously reporting every half hour throughout the day we got there to 20 past five and then it was just a perfect time for it to happen by the way it wasn't planned it was mm. just just the way it happened they were obviously trying to get the deal all, all signed off and ratified um and i have to say i think it only really felt real when i was 
reading out the statement and I actually finished the statement and kind of handed back to, I had a presenter up for the yeah. dinner, handed back to him. And it was just like this rush of kind of adrenaline just left my body. It was almost like all the years of talking about it and listen, getting abuse for it, like because we got it wrong a couple of times and we thought it was done and it wasn't. Yeah. But you've got to remember, we were going off information that we were being told by people involved who we trusted. Mm. So um, I want to say we, I mean, myself and other, yeah. other reporters. So all those years of covering it, all those many letdowns, and listen, you've got to remember for us, we all wanted something big to happen as well. Like it, for the reporters, it was getting a bit, it was getting so stale for us covering the same thing. It your job and lifestyle totally. as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'll be honest with you, I was considering probably leaving and going somewhere else because I was at a stage where I felt like I'd hit a bit of a glass ceiling in the Northeast, you know, of, of the three teams, I had one in the Premier League just trying to exist. Mm. I've got one that are in League One and they've been there for four years and one in the Championship who were just kind of middle of the table and I thought, am I really, does this job really meet my expectations? But I have to say, since the takeover went through and everything that's followed, it's kind of given me the sort of security and clarity that I want to stay here and be part of what should be an a, a amazing journey. Because imagine covering the, I mean, you guys have been fans for longer than I've mm, been a reporter, yeah. but imagine for me covering the last seven, eight years, all of that, and then finally you get the takeover that we've been talking about for four or five years, and then you leave. So it's kind of just given me that little bit of security that, mm. that I want to stay here. But, but that day was an amazing, amazing event. Um, and I, I think the reason I got a bit emotional about it was because it was all those years of sort of, what's the best way to say it? Frustration um, and pent up, like you couldn't, you couldn't really kind of answer back to people. And it was always, you have to kind of bite your tongue and it was really, really difficult. And then also when I was announcing it, I could hear behind me, you couldn't actually see it on the TV, but I could hear the fans who'd congregated at the Sir Bobby Robson as statue. Still through. As I'm reading it out, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm speaking right now and I can feel the hairs in the back of my neck standing <laughs> up. As as I was reading it out, they I, I almost I think they were watching on their on their mobile phone, yeah. and there's about a 10, 15 second delay in Sky Go, and they're watching it and they were reacting to 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 me reading the statement out, and I could hear them kind of like roaring and cheering, and it was just it just made me I think it just really underlined and made me realise wow this is a big moment, this what I'm saying now is going to change so many people's lives because you guys are obviously so passionate about your football. And this was just going to change things forever for you. And I think I got to the end of the statement, handed back, and I could feel myself going. I thought, oh my God. And it was like an out-of-body experience. I thought, what's going on here? But I think it's because I knew what I was saying meant so much to so mm. many other people. And then the release of adrenaline. And I handed back to him, managed to hold myself together. He then came back with a second question. I gave a second answer, but by this time I was gone. And I was like, how, how, I don't know how I managed to kind of hold <laughs> myself together. And I obviously had a lot of stick from the Sundown fans because... You know, I was at a Sunderland match last As week. As usual. <laughs> well, I was at a Sunderland match last week covering and I was getting quite a lot of stick, I have to say, that I've not had before. And I, I, it was it was quite difficult to take, actually. I was quite, I was really quite shocked by it. Um, and I know why, because obviously we're covering Newcastle, but I think Sunderland fans have to realise that this is a huge national story. This really is massive. Yeah, and and yeah. Sunderland in League One right now, sadly, for the fourth year, isn't national news for us anymore. Yes, it is for the locals, absolutely, but not for us until they get back up. I've said this a million times. You won't want me to hear this, but I would love all three Northeast teams in the Premier League. I know you, I knew you guys are probably happy the way it is, but for me, covering it on a professional point, professional um, mm -hmm. reason, that's that's what I would want. Um, it is the way it is at the moment, but that day was just the emotions and everything that came with it was a lot more than than I expected. And then obviously the days that followed were 
were, were, were great as well. So I would I would love to do it all again because it was it was definitely one of the highlights of my career, and I've reported on quite a few big stories. I think you're right what you're saying. I think it, it's one of those moments where where you always remember where you were when that news oh, broke. Well, well, and well, yeah. where were you? So, well, I was I was actually running down the quayside. I was I finished my <laughs> away work. from St James. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd had these all in the group and the WhatsApp group we have, and they were saying it's happened, it's done, it's it's happening. Then there was little filters of like. There's been delays, and you're thinking, well, not again. But I was, I just sit on the pessimistic side of the fence, and I'm always just like, just pretend it's not going to happen, and you'll never be disappointed. And then when I saw that my phone blew up just as I was finishing me running, then it was. So I, I, I was, so so I had obviously I was hovering around St. James Park in the morning, and I thought, I can't stay here all day. There's nobody here. So I came here, and I came, sat in the studio, just had a few drinks, just just ready, just, just watching. The, just the usual, then. just I, just <laughs> usual, just drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, you'll know as a Scotsman. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we just sat here watching Sky Sports. We were just waiting for that moment. So as obviously the feed started going back to you more and more as the day went on, me and Mark, who I was with, I thought, right, we'll start making our way over to St. James's Park now. And this was around about quarter to five. And we were on the time yeah, bridge. Timing, yeah. We're on the time yeah, bridge watching your feed. Wow. We're bang in the middle of the time bridge wow. when it went That's through. That's a pretty special moment. And like, that, it just, it was, I'm just saying, I'm getting hairs on you yeah, about yeah, your neck. Yeah. And like, it was just one of those moments where Mark looked at us and he just went, it's done. It's done. Then we're just hugging each other on the time bridge. Do, do, do you know what's difficult for me is I had that statement for about an hour before, and I had it in my hand on my phone, right? And my, bat, my <laughs> battery was running out, my phone and everything. And I was, and I had it, but I'd been told by people involved high up, look, this is a statement. This is what we're going to run with when we break it. We'll mm. give it to you a few minutes before we announce it because they knew it was massive. And it was actually a really good day for Sky Sports News because we had unbelievable viewing figures. Everyone was following it every hour. Mm. It was, it was like the good old days. It was honestly really, really good. And um, I had it, and I'm, I think I was looking at it, and I was like, oh my my God, I've got this like in front of me. But obviously nobody knew yet. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even like text my, my mates who are Newcastle fans. I didn't even say, I was like just keeping this to myself. And it was just this surreal thing that I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of, that moment. a matter of like just getting the, the okay that we can say it. And obviously it had to be okayed by not just the, the not just uh, Mike Ashley, but by the new owners and by the Premier League. So everyone had to give it a thumbs up before we could see it. Did you get a chance to, to take the moment in? Because obviously not long after that, you're off to, to Jasmine Dean House. So, I, um, so what happened? Yeah, so I knew I had the interview. So what happened was I was told stay at Jasmine Dean House throughout the day mm-hmm. where we were based. Obviously, I knew Amanda was there. We'd, we'd spoken to her. We knew she was there and all our people. So that's why I knew it was going to happen. But I have to say, after so many close calls in the past, you've just got that tiny little degree of doubt. And I think when you tell Ca- me about it. Well, I think, <laughs> when you, I think when Newcastle, you can you can never like know that it's definitely yeah. going to happen and the last thing I wanted to do was come out and say it's definitely 100% happening I knew all day it was happening but I just felt I don't want to be saying that live on air and then that clip gets used again mm. and again and again so I went back to it so basically went through I knew we were, we were supposed to be getting the first interview with her um, and I was going to stay at Jasmine Dean all day and it got to about 4 o'clock and, or half 3 and I just made a decision myself I said look I'm, I had a cameraman at both places and, and like live facility and I just said I'm going to go back to the stadium because I heard like some crowds had started mm. gathering. And I said, I need to be there. If it breaks in the next hour, two, three, four hours, whatever, I need to do this at the stadium yeah. and not be in what looked like my back garden, mm. the Jasmine Dean house, trying to trying to make it look nondescript. Yeah. So and, do you know what? It was such a good decision. I don't know what made me do. I just thought I'm going back and I got there and within an hour it had gone through. Um, and then obviously we had meant to have the first interview with, with Amanda Stavely. But I just I knew that by going to the stadium, I probably wouldn't get the first interview because there were other people going to speak yeah. to them. But I thought, you know what? I'll forgo the first interview if that happens. 
to to be at St James's Park announcing that takeover. I thought to be announcing it in a place like Jesmond Dean House where there wasn't really much going on just mm. didn't seem right. And I wanted to be there where the supporters were there and the atmosphere was there and whatnot. So I went back and I ended up not getting the first interview with her, which was fine. I wasn't bothered. I think I got the second, got the interview in the can, back to the stadium. By the time I got back to the stadium, it was just bedlam because obviously mm. it was darkness by now and all yeah. the fans had, had turned up. So, But it was amazing because we were actually doing... Um, announcing it live and then I think some of the supporters who had gathered or all the supporters who had gathered suddenly realised where we were on top of the car park and the visas yeah. in and they came running up and the presenter Rob who I was with at the time was I think he was a bit spooked by the moron and he handed back to the studio and we went straight into a break I said mate how would have just left it like would have been <laughs> such good pictures because there was like hundreds of fans obviously it was cold yeah. when it was a different time I would have just let it happen and they came in they were trampling the mics over they did <laughs> turn around there was two guys on top of the um, satellite truck like almost falling <laughs> over I've got a video with my phone I was like oh my god <laughs> forgot how bad it was so yeah that was just all those moments were so good and then the days that followed as well i've got to say um all that was the fun part this now that we're in january doesn't feel like <laughs> that i know it's great for you guys talking about all these transfer targets yeah. but for me at the moment it's just like such a such a difficult time working for your money now mate <laughs> no, I, don't know. I need to get a pay rise you've just can i switch on one thing one question i've got is you've obviously mentioned how long you've spent in the northeast i'm just wondering how thick your skins had to be over the last few years because we're an impassioned bunch not just Newcastle, Sunderland and Middlesbrough you can give that to all of us but you know, I, you know Twitter is there plain to see where people like you or other people in your line of work will maybe play down a transfer link the takeover and people sort of see you as a focal point for their I know you know disdain even though yeah. you have nothing to do with it so how, how have you dealt with that so over the years? So, it's so frustrating because I, I am quite, in general, quite an outspoken person, like in, in life, away mm -hmm. from work. You know, if, if someone annoys me, I'll just tell them to their face and whatever. And I find it so hard on social media and Twitter to rein that in because you can get yourself in all sorts of bother. So yeah. you're right, you, you, you have to be thick-skinned. I get to the stage now where I try not to read too many of the comments. I used to be, when I first started, I was quite obsessed with what people thought and whatever. And now I'm just like, you know what? They can just take me the way I am. I know that when I go to work and I cover Newcastle or any of the other clubs, I do it to the best of my ability. And I know I do it I do it unbiased. And I get so much stick from people now saying, or oh, particularly Sunderland fans saying you're a mag or whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm I'm just doing it because this is the story at the moment. Mm. And, and listen, it meant a lot to me covering that because I've lived in the city for eight years and I've got a lot of friends who are Newcastle fans and it, it's become the club in the city gets under your skin. I think they would be the same if I was living in Sunderland. Sunderland did when I was covering it as well, and 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 still are to an extent. But I just I'm I'm in there. I'm not there mm. as much now. So, um, yeah. You listen. You do. You get you get a lot of stick for different things. And do you know what? I, the, the people who are now coming up in the street and saying things. Oh, thank you so much. Like the way you've spoken about us was so great. You've always had a back. Like, can I get your drink? All this kind of stuff. Are probably the same people that were like abusing me like <laughs> six months earlier. Yeah. And take, this is what I know. Drinks now, though, you? I know. I've not, I know. I've hardly bought one since. But um, yeah, and that's that's the way it is. It's this. It's probably the same people. And but listen, football fans are fickle, and I'm one of them myself as well. So I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to criticise, um, but you have had to. I have to say, over the years, um, you've you've really had to have a thick skin at times. And listen, you need to try and remain professional. If you get yourself bogged down and things like that, like I did probably away at the start yeah. a few times, you can get yourself in all sorts of bother. And There's a great question here, one which I haven't even thought of, um, but it's it's from Lee Major. He says, "Are you now the envy of the other Sky Sports News presenters?" 
Well, firstly, I'm a reporter, not a presenter. Oh, sorry, reporter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Pete Graves is a presenter. Um, oh, is that not? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get in there at some point, didn't it? So, um, am I envy? <laughs> uh, it depends who you ask. Depends which ones mm. you ask. Listen, some of them are like, well, for example, my colleague Tim, who covers Leeds, was up covering the, the, that day for me, and he was like, "This is mental." He said, "This is crazy. This is," and. and uh, Oh, I don't know if I can tell you this story, actually. I probably can't. But... Start now, mate. Yeah, I know. I know. I probably, it's probably not for uh, probably not for pre-9 o'clock. But anyway, when he was up covering it, he was just like, mate, you ought to hear what the, the, those guys down there are saying about you. Like, or the, some of the Newcastle fans, you know, when the celebrations were going on. And he was having a right laugh. Um, so I think I think for some, they're like, I don't think they, I don't think they realise how how crazy it is. And I don't think they realise the how passionate the Newcastle fans are until they actually see it with their own eyes. Mm. And I think Tim, for example, that day, and he covers Leeds, who of course are a massive club, yeah. club as well. I think he was just like, wow, this is just like, he couldn't believe it. And he said, your life's going to be changed now, like your professional life moving forward. Um, listen, the job's a lot different. We've got reporters in London who cover not just one club, but my job's a little bit different to theirs. You know, mine mm. is, I just cover these clubs up here. At, at the moment, it's just mainly Newcastle. Yeah. Um sort of 95% Newcastle at the moment, whereas we've got reporters down in London who cover Chelsea, Arsenal, Fulham, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, West Ham, they go around them all. So my job is different to that. Um, But I like it, the fact that I'm from Scotland. I can jump in the car at any point, head back up the road to Scotland and I'm there in two hours. But yeah, I'm getting Premier League football. Touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. Great great shout, mate. (laughs) You got anything before we move on to the likes of the questions from people who are watching? No, we'll, we'll move on to the questions. I mean, we've already spoke about how busy you are. And for me, I, one thing I've always been intrigued by people in your position is how you, I don't want you to slag people off, but filter what's credible and what's not credible. Is it a case of just track records? What do you mean in terms it, of transfers? Sources, like, you know, info that you're hearing. Have you ever, like, had your fingers bent in the past where you've thought, you know, that yeah. that's a reliable source and then it's ended up it's being... A good, it's a really good question. Um I think it's a combination of all of that, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're making judgment calls on a daily basis, you know, um, when it comes to transfers, as you, as you'll see, the amount of players who've been linked to Newcastle in the last, well, I wouldn't say the last two weeks, I would say since the takeover went through yeah. in October, it's Five like, squads worth. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, at one point I counted over a hundred and yeah. that was like probably before the window opened. So the amount of players, I mean, some of these guys, half the guys I've not even heard of before, um, you kind of listen. You're going to miss a couple out as you go along, absolutely. And you can't get every story. Like there's so many journalists covering the northeast patch, both written and broadcast. You're not always going to get. You're not always going to get the story. There's going to be other people who get it, and everyone's trying to get a piece of it now. And obviously, there's all these other journalists who maybe don't cover the northeast clubs, but they've got ends with certain agents. And most of the time, these stories are coming from agents. Like, don't think for a second any of these links are coming from Newcastle. Yeah. All this stuff's coming from out with, really. Um, so that's where it comes from first. So I think I think I just try to pride pride myself on on getting it right. And um, listen, we've probably got a few wrong over the years, absolutely. But um, I try. I personally try not to report anything until we've got two sources on it. There's a lot of people out there, some websites, some people out with the region who will just get something from an agent and whack it out there, but they've got no relationship with the club. Mm. They've got no relationship with Newcastle United or the people who run the club. Whereas I do have that and some of the other, most of the other journalists who cover the North East are the same. So we would probably, most of us, try and get some kind of steer from the club as well, our contacts at the club, and not report it until we know we've got it on safe ground. I mean, at the moment, I have to say, 
the, since the takeover's gone through and since the transfer window's open, I think that the consortium are so busy at the moment that they're not brief. They're not briefing really at all. Mm. We're not really getting. And obviously, obviously, it was. I think it was pretty common knowledge that the Unai Emery um, situation happened because obviously some information got briefed out there. Yeah. And I don't know whether maybe the consortium feel they've had their fingers burned a little bit or maybe they just feel they want to do things differently or probably they're just too busy to be dealing with calls from journalists mm. trying to stand, especially when there's so many different names linked. Yeah. So this is why there's just a flood of information because it's almost like open season now because yeah. because they can sort of mark really briefing or giving heads up. They are on one or two once they get to a certain stage, like the ones that are done already um, and, you know, things like the, the car loss deal and other bits and pieces. But generally you can't I mean, you just lose all credibility if you start going like if i'd gone to mike ashley for example with every single one of those names he'd be like what are you talking about if i go to amanda stavely with 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 these names as well she, so you need to almost just try and sift through and pick out the ones that you think are credible and then try and find out listen you can waste your time with some and look stupid but you can also miss out on some so again it's just judgment calls on a daily basis and i think all of that just comes with experience but we're all the all the reporters who cover the northeast will be in the exact same boat at the moment, and it's such a difficult situation because you're weighing up the whole time. Shall I go and check with this? Shall I go? And then I trust that agent. Do you know I trust that agent? But do I trust them enough? And well, I don't know if I trust that agent, but that's a really big name. That that sounds like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's really difficult. Do, do you feel a lot of pressure because, like you said, probably Sky Sports News is probably the go-to place for for most football fans, most sports fans. Yeah. And when everybody sees the the, the yellow ticker yeah. on the bottom, that's when people think, well, there's there's yeah. definitely something in this one. Do you feel that pressure out of that yeah. situation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I'm aware of that ever since I started that it was sort of when Sky Sports News report it, it's, it's kind of happening. And I think it's important that we keep that. Mm. But I think as things move on, you know, situations change. It's difficult to get things out of football clubs. Um, and sometimes you have to just go with your gut or go with one one source. Mm. I do myself try to go with two, and that's why you'll not see me reporting about all these different names. And like I'll see people reporting it, but I won't myself mention it because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like I don't I don't believe. So I'm not going to knock someone's story down and say I think that's rubbish. Sometimes you would love to because it's making your nightmare. It's making your job a nightmare. Like sometimes mm. you will go to the club and check something out, and they're like rubbish. Yeah, and I'm like. I'm not even going to tweet. I'll just ignore it because yeah. I'm not in the business of knocking other people's stories down. And I think a lot of the other guys are the same. But then all that does is just create uncertainty for you guys as fans because you hear the names and you don't know what to believe. And, you know, you've got all the sites who will like, you know, you've got like NUFC 360 who will like put out every single name that's yeah. mentioned. Mm -hmm. And rightly so because that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But they've got obviously a lot of followers and then and then people cotton on to it. And then, but I, I think you guys as fans are getting quite clever now. And I think you're beginning to realize what is, what's got a chance of happening and what hasn't. And I think as this window goes on into the summer, I think you'll get more and more like that. And you'll probably become quite cynical, just like me. Yeah, that, yeah. I'm already happens. there. No, yeah. 100%. Um, so I'm just going to open up to, to you guys that are watching there tonight live. Um, there is, and uh, nearly if he's watching at the moment. So we're expecting a few questions at least. Um, I'm going to start it off because obviously the news which we've seen today and probably I'll probably see the most active transfer rumour which we're having at the moment is Diego Carlos. Um, seems to be in Newcastle going back and forwards with bids. Um, he apparently wants to, to come to Newcastle. Yeah. Give us a little bit of a feeling on that one. Yeah, I mean, I have to say um, he started tonight, hasn't he, for Sevilla. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that wouldn't bode well I think certainly for getting him in for the weekend unless mm -hmm. they rush something through tomorrow but you've probably seen the last two weeks I've kind of followed a trend with the arrival of Trippier and then the arrival of Chris Wood where 
the business has been done Monday, Tuesday, they've flown in on the Wednesday, and then they've trained Thursday, Friday, and played on the Saturday. Mm. So the Carlos deal is behind that point. Yeah. They've not even agreed a fee yet. And by all accounts, um, they're, they're, they're quite a distance apart. Normally when a player says they want to leave, they normally get their, get their way once they dig their heels in. So mm. that, I would say, is should work in Newcastle's favour. But it sounds as though they want an exorbitant amount of money. And like I think clubs are now just looking at Newcastle, know they've got lots of money to spend, or they've got lots of money potentially to spend. And they're just putting, they're just, you know, putting an extra 20, 30 million on. Similar um, to the Trippier deal, because apparently clubs had obviously offered bids for Trippier. Well, they were trying Newcastle to keep that. a little bit more. Well, they were trying to keep that so quiet as well, mm. because they were so worried that like a Chelsea or a Man United yeah, came in last minute. So they actually did really well. What they, what the situation with Trippier was, he was just so keen to come back and come back to the north of the country. So it was a slightly different situation mm. with him. I mean, Diego Carlos won't know much about Newcastle United, yeah. but he wants to. He'll want to come because he's twenty-eight. He'll one want to try the Premier League. Two, he's going to get more than double the wages that, that he's on already. It'll be a last big contract for him yeah. at twenty-eight years yeah. old if he gets a four-year deal. So that that's of course what, why why he's going to want to come. It just sounds like they're quite far apart. Listen, never say never. Things can change, but if it does feel as though that'll be really difficult to get done before the weekend, and it might go into next week. If if they dig their heels in Sevilla and say we want the release clause figure, which I think is around seventy million, I don't think Newcastle aren't going to pay that. Mm. I think to get him, they're going to have to break their transfer record. They're going to have to break the Joe Linton forty million to get him. Um, how much more? I don't know. We'll we'll see how we'll see how desperate they get, but um, at this moment in time, the fact he's starting tonight, we know there's a gulf in terms of the the release clause and what Newcastle Current are offering. I think I think there's about forty million pound gap. Mm. Perhaps they'll meet somewhere in where in the middle, but it's a lot of money for a twenty eight year old defender who, yes, he's been capped by his country, but but only in the Olympics. I had a little chat with uh, Guillaume Balaguer uh, earlier, and, and and he said, look. From what he's here in Newcastle, are doing things the right way. They're not wanting to be, um, they're not wanting to, to spend huge amounts of money. They're trying to do it and get players for the for the value. Maybe it's a little bit more than than mm. what they're worth. The problem is, it's so hard to do that in the January transfer window. You have to almost spend too much to get the, to get the players you want. I think between now and the close of play, I think there'll be a lot of movement for Newcastle in the loan market. And when we see loans in the January transfer window, they're normally in the last couple of days. Yeah. I think it's going to be probably a crazy last two, three days, yeah. I have to say. With them, before we get on to another question, you've mentioned there about the fact that Newcastle, Newcastle they're going to put a Newcastle tax, so to speak, on yeah. a January transfer window, really hard to negotiate, like a lot of managers have said. There is fans out there, um, you know, on message boards and on Twitter who are, who are just screaming for us just to throw money at a problem. Um, I can understand why the owners aren't doing it. And there's been sort of musings of, from people saying that, that perhaps they've botched this transfer window already. They didn't have the deals in place going into January. I mean, what do you make of fans saying that? Because for me, it's it's a bit harsh on A, new owners and, and B, you know, you can't just put all your ducks in a row going into such a hard time yeah. to make deals. I think it's I think it's difficult to criticise too much because it's January. And yeah. like, it is so hard to work in that Clubs don't want to sell players now. They're happy yeah. to do it in the summer. They don't want to do it now. They don't even want to loan loan out, especially with the COVID situation. Clubs are using their full squad at the moment. You see so many youngsters getting a game because of players missing and stuff. So I think that's kind of exacerbating the situation as well. Listen, I, I think it would have been a bit easier for the club had they got a director of football in. I think everyone understands that. Mm. I think that would have maybe worked a little bit better because they're new to this. Are you surprised that that hasn't been sold already? Because that was a comment earlier on, but with the whole direct. I'm surprised I've not got one. Yeah, yeah. That's one hasn't been appointed in that yeah, role yet. I am. Yeah. Do you I feel thought, as if we fell out a few that, hurdles with I that? I thought one? that would have been the first thing they did. Yeah. 
I think I, everybody was under the same I mean, impression. I, 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 I mean, I say I thought that would have been the first thing I did. Remember when this takeover happened in October, that it came out the blue. Like the consortium were only contacted a few days before to say, look, this is back on now. Mm. And suddenly they had to like get themselves up to Newcastle, get things going again. So they were caught out. Originally when, when they first came to the table, it was going to be Rafa Benitez. He was the brains behind it. He brought everyone to the table. He was going to be manager, director of football, everything, right? So once October comes and they don't know, they don't have someone in place there. But listen, that doesn't mean you can't get someone in place within the next few, two, three weeks before you get a manager in or around about the same time. Yeah. Interesting, listening to Eddie Howe, he said to us a number of times in press conferences that he'd be happy working whoever the director of football mm. is. And that says to me that he would like someone in in that role and he's he would work with them because he's done that before with a technical director at Bournemouth. So I think he's had to, in recent, in recent weeks, had to have more of a hands-on role than probably he expected um, due to the, the absence of a director of football. Um, and I think that's making things more difficult for them as well. Time will tell as to why that is the reason, um, but I think it, I think it probably would have made things a, a, a little bit a little bit easier because mm. the people who are involved at the top and doing these deals haven't done this before, and it's no slight on them. It's just it's something new, and we would all be in that situation in terms of not having the right contacts and knowing how to speak to people and knowing how to sort of close close out a, a, a deal when it mm. comes to a football player, which is a lot different to anything else. I suppose any of these people have been involved in before. I think news was reported as well that uh, Dan Ashworth was was given permission to, to mm. speak to the club as well, but that that went really quiet. Well, he's straight given thought, permission to speak, and he's had talks, but there's no then answer. But then, if you look at all, if you look at all the moves for any of the players, managers, they've all kind of taken the same sort of direction. Look at Eddie Howe; he was spoken to like well before he actually got the job. Mm. Um, and, and I think what they try and do, the owners, is they speak to a number of people before they make a decision. As we know, they spoke to Unai Emery, they spoke to others. I can't remember. There was a few of them at the time. So much has happened since then, I can't remember. But Fonseca was one of them. Yeah, yeah, he's one. Yeah, they spoke to a number of different um, potential candidates before choosing. It seems like they're maybe doing similar. Rather than just selecting one and going, going for that person. And again, that is because the consortium haven't worked in football before and mm. worked in football circles. So they don't know these guys. Yeah. So they are going off these guys from their interviews rather rather than if you've got a director of football in there who knows the game and knows the English game, they know who to go for. Yeah. And you just target who you want and you go and you get there. But it's a completely different setup at the moment. And listen, I suppose it's something you're just going to have to get used to and hope that you can just muddle through until the end of the season and, and stay in the league. Mm. If we do go down, one question here, um, talking about these signings we're bringing in, it's all good and well, but if we end up the worst happens, would you think players like Kieran Trippier have things like relegation clauses in the contract? Eddie Howe said he's not. He's not, no? No. Fair so point. Eddie said to us he's not. He said he's here for the challenge, whatever whatever league um, Newcastle are playing in. Um, Chris Wood is a sort of player who could... You can imagine, I did mention that. Yeah, you can almost, imagine doing a good job in the yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah. So um, he could play. He could score goals in, 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 in there, and I think he would he would play there no problem. Listen, if they go down to the championship, they're going to throw everything at it to make sure they come back up again. I think you'd only be down for one season. Mm. I mean, it would be a strange. It would be a strange old experience. I have to say, yeah. like away to Rotherham or whatever it is when you when you're essentially the richest club in the world, mm. but. You, you do what you have to do, but yeah, Eddie Howe said uh, Trippier doesn't have a release clause, and he's here for the he's here for the, the long term. Do you think moving forward they might try to to use that as a as a sort of bait to get people in? I think I think yeah, I think I think if um, 
if it gets desperate, yeah, they might have they might have to do that. Mm-hmm. But so far they've not. But I'm saying desperate. What are we? Eleven days until the window closes. So maybe next week if they're back bringing players in. But I have to say, I don't think I can see them bringing in a centre back for a fee. Um, or one more player for a fee, whether it's 30 million, 40 million, I think beyond that it's going to be loans. Mm. Mm. Even if you get Jesse Lingard, you know, I can see it being a loan fee to Man United until the end of the season, whatever that may be, 10 million, I don't know. That's just, well, that's just that, a figure. That was the next question, Jesse Lingard, and you mentioned earlier, that's going to be done later in the, the window. Do you think one of the reasons why that is because maybe Man United and Jesse Lingard are, are waiting for a better offer from a club that's in a, a better position than Newcastle United mm. in the Premier League? I just think he's got a big decision to make. I think it would be more Lingard weighing up his options. Mm. I don't think there'll be any any problem with wages. I think Newcastle pays wages, no problem. But I think he had a really good time at West Ham and enjoyed being up there at the top of the table. I'm just not sure if Man United would allow him to go to a rival. Yeah. And Newcastle right now aren't really a rival. Mm. I mean, you've played them twice now already. It's not even as though you're going to play them again. So all that kind of adds up to this being a good move. Um, he's close to Kieran Trippier as well, so that might sway him a little bit. But if it's a loan deal to the end of the season, that ticks every box because that means that should you get relegated, it's not like he's going to then have to play in the championship. So that could be that could work. A loan deal to the end of the season, pay, pay Man United a loan fee. Now, you might have to pay a premium to yeah. get him until the end of the season. But however, despite all of this, I just again, I just don't think that's a priority. Now, I know, I know the second half was poor against Watford, um, and maybe someone like Lingard might have controlled the game a little bit more or added something else. But for me, it's the priority is to get in a, a defender because you know yourself mm. how how, yeah. how bad it's been at the, recently yeah. at the back. The spine of the team for me, having, I think a central midfield is just as important. I, as I, well, not just agree, as important. Yeah. Centre half is the priority, but I feel like controlling the game, you control that from that area just yeah. in front of the back four. Mm. And we have no players that are going to put the foot on the ball. We'll, so. we'll flip around. Um, yeah, just so one thing mm-hmm. I was going to say, the interesting yeah. thing with Lingard is, obviously, I think there's people saying already that, you know, bid's been rejected and all this kind of thing. I don't think it's a case of, like, official bid, reject, official bid. I think they're probably just in discussions with yeah. Man United. And it's this old um, thing of when is a bid a bid? You know, it's semantics. It's transfer semantics. And it's probably the same with the Carlos thing. I mean, I think we've been saying there's been two bids already. There's probably been more figures than that discussed as they work towards where they're where they're both trying to get to, and I think it's probably the same with Lingard Lingard as well. I don't I don't I think they're just in talks until they co- until they come to some agreement or they both walk away. When we're seeing discussions, who's doing the discussions from Newcastle side? So you've got so essentially at the moment you've got um, Amanda Stavely, um, her husband Merdad, you have Steve Nixon head of recruitment, and I think Eddie Howe's involved as well. Mm. Um, I don't know as to the what N- uh, Nick Hammond's role as is at the moment. I know he was involved at the start and helping things. I don't know if he's quite as hands on at the that moment. Advisory role, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's essen- that's essentially essentially. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know Lee Charlie probably got a lot of criticism, and he probably took a while to get deals done. But he was experienced in in kind of getting deals done. At the mm. end, so since he's left, you've got that you've not got that experience there mm. anymore, and it's not really anyone there that's that's got that. I mean, obviously Eddie Howe, yes, but I mean, he's got his hands full in the coaching side of things to mm. be, to be dealing Coaches, with all yeah. that as yeah. well. So it's difficult, and that's why I'm saying muddle through until the end of January, get who you get. But I think if you had a director of football in place, that would have just taken a lot of pressure off the owners. 
Mm. I'm going to yeah. say the owners. I mean the, the owners that are based here. Yeah. Not 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 PIF. I mean yeah. PIF are obviously just kind of leaving it to yeah. to the the this consortium who are, who are here to get on with. There's been a few questions over the last ten minutes eh, about outgoings. And we haven't really heard anything about players leaving the club. Do you think it's a case where the club are thinking we need to keep the squad full until we bring a, yeah. a handful of people in? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll be. I think players. If you do get a couple more in, players will go because mm. there's no point having players who aren't going to be there. They'll loan players out or, or whatever. So, but the, the squad is so thin at the moment. You know yourself. You're yeah. not going to like look at someone like Sean Longstaff, for example. He started the last couple of games. Obviously, there was that bid from Everton for him. Mm. He's coming towards the end of his contract. Yes, Ed, Eddie Howe said that he'd be keen to keep him. Um, but you know, if they say, for example, you brought in two midfielders, he's the sort of player that might be allowed to go. You know, and he might he might fancy a bit of a change as well. But none, there's no point in doing that now when the squad's so thin. So again, I think it's going to be a lot of last minute wheeling and dealing, both in and out. Yeah. Anything? You saw anything in them? Um, I mean, I've just a lot of people are thinking that you know people have commented saying about well, how people in this culture of football manager and FIFA think that deals are so easy to do these days. Like you know, we've talked about you've just talked about semantics of transfers. Yeah. Putting bids in. I think I don't know if you've seen a lot of comments where people think it's just a case. So if you put a bid in, it gets rejected. You put another bid in, but really, it's probably just locked in talks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, fair that, play. That, that's essentially what it is, and I think that's changed in recent in recent years. And you've got to remember now, it's not just a cl- it's not just two clubs working together. Like there's so many agents and intermediaries and people involved, and messages are getting passed on through them. And it's just it's, it's, it's a lot messier a situation, and and obviously agents are getting cuts of everything, and they yeah. get the percentages and all this kind of thing. So it's a lot messier a situation, and it takes a lot longer to get a deal done. That is why something like the the Kieran Trippier deal was so perfect for Newcastle because he wanted to come here and wanted to come home, and that just made everything easier. And to be fair to Atletico Madrid, they were like, "Well, if the player wants to go, we're not going to keep him." Yeah. Whereas Sevilla right now were like. They're a selling club. Yes, they're a selling club, but they're only going to sell if they get what they believe is the right amount of money. They know Newcastle have got money, so they know they can just dig their heels in with, with Carlos for as long as possible. So you need you need everyone to be on your side. They were lucky with the Chris Wood situation that Newcastle were made aware of the release clause. Had they not been made aware of that, would they have paid £25 million for him? Probably not. Yeah. But I think they just thought, right, at least we're paying the 25 and that's it. There's nothing. And they, they desperately wanted them before that Watford game. Now, in the end, up, it didn't really make that much of a difference, but they wanted to give it every opportunity. Do you think Trivia will be our marquee signing? Oh, God, what a question. Um, <laughs> it's not mine, somebody said it. <laughs> um, I would like to take credit for it, but no. Would you say Would you say Trippier would be a bigger signing than Lingard? It's a tough one, that, isn't it? Just throwing tough questions back out now, C- Considering what... Wait, I'm used to normally asking the questions. <laughs> considering what Trippier has done in the most recent past. But then again, what Lingard's done. Everyone thought he was finished. But then if you sign Diego Carlos and it's your record transfer, that has to be your marquee signing. True. But then you probably didn't... I mean, I didn't really know much about him. People put Marky on a name you know. these days rather than a price, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think Trippier, yeah. in terms of what he brings around the, the place, reputation, England, you're in saying England, in an yeah. England international, yeah. I think just what takes it off slightly is he's no disrespect to him, he's a fullback. Yeah. So, like, you know, if your marquee signing's a fullback, unless it's someone like, I don't know, like Roberto Carlos back in the day, yeah. or, mm. you know, someone like, I don't know, Cancelo now, who's more than a, mid, more than a fullback, you know, mm. he's a midfielder as well. But um, probably... 
like probably, but and that shows how difficult the window is. But then, listen, Trippier's not. You could see on, or you could see on Saturday, was he's a good player in terms of the way, yeah. his use of the ball. And I think he's head and shoulders, head and shoulders above yeah. and everyone, every yeah. one in black and white on that pitch. Yeah, the yeah. way he's communicating and the way he's trying to get everyone organised. You can see him, but you can see him being a future captain. Mm-hmm. Definitely, absolutely. Mm. Was there much in that the the, the Gussens link? The uh, uh, Atlanta, because obviously I know Sky Italia have another the greatest. Yeah, great so in yeah, the past. so so we were told that from Sky Italy. Um, I think there probably was some interest. Yeah, I don't think I'm not sure how far it went. I think there's probably been interest in a lot of like the list. I think the list is pretty long. Mm-hmm. Probably working their way down the list. Yeah, um, I mean he was one that I mean if it was if it was looking like likely I'd be very excited because yeah, seen him play a few times he's very very good. But I, yeah, I, I was told um, last week. Um, Unlike, very unlikely. Yeah. So that doesn't mean there was no interest. Uh-huh. But I think there's been lots of players that's been interested in, but then it only goes so far when mm. they realise like how difficult it would be to get them out of there. But obviously, any agent worth of salt right now, as we've alluded to already, wants their player linked with... Mention Newcastle's name. Yeah, helps yeah. them. And I'd imagine that might be another one of those. Yeah, there's a, we'll start wrapping this one up there. So if anyone does have a couple more questions, we'll, we'll quickly go through them. Um, a lot of questions in relation to... To ha- obviously Newcastle are going to find it difficult just because of January transfer window anyway but do you think the current situation obviously being in the relegation zone uh, I do mean, you think that's massive? Oh, it's magnifying it hugely I think if you get through to the summer you'll find the window a lot easier I think that yeah. well, mm. honestly well like it's a January transfer window and then also I mean you're, you're, you're second if you'd lot if, if Burnley if the Burnley match had been on the other night against Watford they won you would have gone bottom of the table yeah mm-hmm. like that's what that's how serious this situation is so um I think uh, I think that is massively magnified. And Eddie Howe knows that. He knows that himself. Had you got three points on Saturday, you would have been out of the bottom three. It would have looked better for attracting mm. players. And I think of so many people who were saying before that game, Newcastle will be fine. You're getting the players in a win on Saturday. You don't get that win, and suddenly you're like, oh god, this is it's, it's, it's like on a knife edge at, yeah. at the moment. And yeah, absolutely, because players aren't going to want it. players would want to come here and play in the Premier League. They don't want to come here and potentially play play in the Championship. And Newcastle do not want to sign players who who want to have a relegation clause. So it's it's this horrible kind of situation where you can't find a perfect scenario it's so it's so difficult to find the right players who want to be here who um want to come for the right reasons especially in especially in january you've been really fortunate with with trippier um and then woods wanted a change and you've you've activated this release mm. clause but i think we all know that trippier was like in terms of marquee the yeah. marquee signing of those two um there's a lot of there's a lot of players right now who'll be like, I'd love to go to Newcastle. I'd love to go there. It sounds like it's a, a great project, but while there's the threat of going to relegation, uh, going down the championship, and and they don't want players who have a relegation clause, I'm not going to bother going there. You'll probably find come the summer if you stay up, all these guys will be desperate to come because you're you're starting from scratch and yeah. you've got a, a blank canvas to work work from. But yeah, that is that is making things hugely difficult the, the position you are in the league and it's, it's obvious to see and you can almost see that in Eddie Howe's face actually when he's mm. talking about it yeah it, it's it's got to be frustrating doesn't it obviously yeah. like, you, like you alluded to they all on like Satego it's a last minute thing where you get, by the way it's back on and but, it, but you know what the minute it went through see when the takeover went through I can vivid it's one thing I vividly remember from that day and the next day I just kept saying on air I said look we're all going on about this but Newcastle's Newcastle are currently sitting wherever you were at that time we're in the relegation 18th yeah, I think, I think we're just I was like, you're 18th you've, you've not won a game yet this season 
and I kept it makes no difference this is nothing if you're going to be getting relegated not nothing but mm. it's just obviously it sets everything back a little bit the priority right now is to, is to get wins and I feel like we're still in the same position only one win later in, in, in how many games 11 12 games since mm. then so, so, so we're sort of shifting in the likes of chances created and things like that but it's the points from winning points. positions yeah. lost as well you saw Horrendous. that the other day 21 points I mean I know you can't take that as, as gospel because winning positions we were winning 1-0 against Liverpool you know so that, that was never going to be a win yeah. but there has been points where you know the Southampton game especially uh, under Steve Bruce that was a kick in the teeth and you know the little yeah. bits like Jacob Murphy's one on one against Watford. Yeah, away, you that, forget about that one. These are all fine margins that all add up in the end. Just and, put it in there. Yeah, <laughs> we've rolled out. I think we've rolled our luck, and, and and perhaps the previous coach sucked all the luck out of us. Like, yeah, when you, you listen, you had a lot of luck on the Steve Bruce, absolutely. But it does look as though, and I think Eddie alluded to it at the weekend. It does look as though the players are maybe it's maybe a little bit of a mental block at the moment, mm-hmm. and they get that goal up, and they don't really know how to play. What yeah. do you do? do you, I mean, just keep playing the same way. If you're going, to, if the players are going to play defensively, essentially like they did in the second half, just chuck another defender on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just sit in and take. And I think you guys would have taken a one-nil scrappy win. Hundred percent. Yeah, Hundred percent. Um, I'll end on this question in regards to, to transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, Sven Watton, another one who was named. We've heard God knows how many times. People thought that was almost yeah. obviously, were, were unbelievably close to. to getting close with the fee apparently yeah i was after the cheltenham game I had people went out for a couple of beers afterwards and people kept saying it's fan botman come i said he'll be here on wednesday just kept saying <laughs> I kept bumping into people in, in stack i was like he'll be here on wednesday and then <laughs> and then the monday morning i was like oh god what, in stack you mean i was telling people in stack and then I'm, i was t- i must have told a load of people and then come monday i was like god i hope you can't remember what i was saying <laughs> and then, and listen it looked like it was going to happen yeah. and he, he was the number one choice but the club have just said no if He'll probably come in the summer if you stay in the mm. Premier League. You know, I mean, the, the club are desperate to get him. Head of recruitment really, really likes him, Steve Nixon. So does Eddie Howe. You can see him coming in the summer, but you need to get to the summer and be yeah. in the Premier League. And you're going to have, do you know what? They're going to have to take a couple of gambles on players. They're going to have to take a couple of chances. That's... Speaking of gambling, if you were to put money as a guess, how, how, many, si- how many signings we're going to get from here at the end of the se- at the end of the transfer window? How many more players we're going to bring? Um, in? I'm not going to obviously. Are you going to quote me on this? I, well, I won't quote you on no, 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 I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. This is a guess, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Will. It's a guess. It's not an informed opinion. So what, signings or including loans? Just, yeah, just including new loans. Additions, how, how many additions. Yeah, new faces. On top of what you've got already. Yeah. I think another three. That would have been my so guess. Two loans well, and a signing. Yeah. Okay, I I'll take that. You'd have to be. I would be surprised if it was any less than that. Yeah. Is that three? I would go three or four. I'd go three or four. We need well we, for what we need. It's definitely. I think it has get, to be at least three or four. At least one centre back. Yeah. I think you're bringing someone who can play centre back, left back, potentially, but that's not yeah, necessity. So that's yeah. potentially two. Um, I think you're bringing a. I think you're bringing a midfielder, and I think you're bringing another forward. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I would ask for. Yeah. And I think a couple of those will be loans. At least two of those. It'd have to be one from abroad and one from domestic. Is it only one domestic loan, or is it? Can you have more than one? Uh, two is it? Is yeah, it two? it's two. So you've got um, it's two overseas season two. So who've you got at the moment? We don't have any loan at the moment. No, so you've got two options. Yeah. So I um, I I'm saying three because I'm being conservative. Yeah, I'm saying three because I'm being conservative. Um, but potentially four. Is that three that comes straight in the starting eleven? You would hope so. Um, a centre half, well, 
centre mid, well, striker maybe maybe off the bench. Ben on Wilson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, so a couple of questions just end about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one is from So Logic says, uh, was wondering what uh, drew you into journalism and sports journalism. In like since I was, listen, probably the same with you guys. Like since I was a kid, like all I've ever, I was obsessed with football. Like literally I was encyclopedic knowledge. It's amazing how the older you get, the less you kind of like have that. Like I've forgotten half of it now, but like I used to like, little things like you know your sticker album i look now at my back of my panini 1989 mm. sticker album someone can put a hand a hand over the name and i'll look at like someone from 1989 and i can just tell them like some Luton town midfielder I know well we've actually is. got the panini sticker <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> tell you what i'd back myself i'd honestly back myself i'll find it maybe. yeah yeah i've got because i've got completed so i used to do things like my dad would turn down the tv and i would commentate on the match and things Class. like that and like just used to always do that when i was young i was obsessed with reading newspapers i used to like and I had a paper round when I was quite young and I, you know, every Sunday morning I'd come back and I'd have a copy of each and I would read cover to cover all the sport and I would pour over everything. I was obsessed with transfer news, mm. obsessed with match reports and I wanted to be a, a football writer back then. Um, and I, I, a number of people kept saying to me, oh, you end up doing TV, you end up doing TV. And I was like, oh no, I want to be a writer. And then I just happened to stumble into TV. And I think once I started doing it, I thought, you know what, this is probably more what I should what I should be doing because I talk quite a lot. So that's why I um, ended up doing doing that. But listen, like so many other people who are involved in journalism or, want, or doing journalism un- at university or doing podcasts like yourselves or whatever, it's just purely from a, a love for the game. And I had so many knockbacks over the years for jobs and... You know, I can remember coming down for a job at the Chronicle when I was about 22, 23 and not getting it. And jobs at different like local papers here, there and everywhere and get knocked back jobs. And then you just find a way to get through. And then if you, if you, if you just keep knocking at doors and knocking at doors and, and you're good enough, then the opportunities arise. And I have to say, coming down and doing this has just been, it's been amazing. It really, really has. And like the last sort of six months or so has, has made all the sort of toils and troubles of the previous seven seven years worthwhile. Mm. It's been it's been amazing to be part of. No, Who's your team, Keith? Who's your team Heart going on? Midlothian. Heart. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Fair play. I just had someone ask there, yeah. I mean, that's not exactly Although, do you know it. what? It's getting to the stage now, and this is really bad, and I'm embarrassed to say this, because it's a love of supporting hearts that's got me into this job. But sometimes you get so obsessed with what's going on in the Northeast, it'll get to Monday morning, and I'm like, what was a heart score at the weekend? I <laughs> yeah. don't even know, like, yeah. because you, you get so you get so sort engrossed of engrossed in everything that's going on here, and this is your life now. I don't really... I don't really take too much notice of it. And I'm quite, do you know what? I'm quite embarrassed about that because it was a love of hearts that got me in, involved involved in it. But um, yeah, I'm a hearts fan, but I mean, I probably only get up to a handful of games a season yeah. now. Mm. So that stand finally finished. Last time I was there, this, that yeah, it's finished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the, or the, the, the new one on the, along the, the main. Oh, yeah, it's been finished for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember yeah. last time we played Newcastle, played them in pre season on the Rafa. I was there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and there was nothing there. It was, it was, just, just, it was just scaffold. Yeah. And then, like, there, there was people like in Lumo jackets just watching the match <laughs> from the top of it. It was at, the, probably half the Newcastle fans as well. <laughs> now, yeah. It was, do you know, what? it's an amazing stadium, Tynecastle. Yeah, it's, it's really, nice. It, yeah. it really is good. Um, and I've always had an affinity for the clubs down here. I mean, because living, growing up in Edinburgh, Newcastle is your closest city to Edinburgh, so we'd mm-hmm. quite often come down and go to matches because it was a Premier League game. I actually remember going to Sunderland, Newcastle at the Stadium Thank of Light. It came up as a memory actually on Facebook the other day from 2011, I think when Shola Amiobi scored the late equaliser. Yeah. Was it 2011? Damn, my ball, Mr. Pelton, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like I'd come down and go go to like the odd game. So I've always been kind of aware of it and always kept a, a close eye on things down here. Um, but yeah, I feel quite bad that I don't really 
get get up to Edinburgh to see the games as much now. But listen, when you're involved in this and you're doing games every weekend, it's difficult it's to do. Well, Hardwell wouldn't get out of it. It really is, yeah. <laughs> so just a couple more, just random ones is best gift you've been given whilst well, you've been Alan, out on the job. Alan Samaxum gave me a watch the other week. He's given everybody I'm watches. Just, uh, best gift I've been given. Yeah. Oh my word. Um, do you know what? Like the bet. Oh, this is this is going to be really cheesy. This is going to be really cheesy. But since the takeover's gone through, the amount of people who have just come up and said thank you so much for like covering the club and being respectful and the way you've done it, like over the last number of years. Thanks for sticking with us. Like thanks for like. And we, we know you've. We know you've. We've, we've kind of given you abuse and we've got on to you but, and we're aware we've done it but thank you so much for sticking with us and thanks for the way you've done and that to me means more than anything honestly it really really does because it's been quite humbling like the amount of people even when the two the two three days or a week after the takeover people coming all the way up just to like say hi and get a photo and just have a chat for a minute and that's why I'll, that's why I'll always have time for, for people because like the way everyone was around about that time and I know everyone was happy and they were probably like drunk half the time mm. because we were drinking for a week <laughs> but it was just that means more to me than than anything just the the nice words and people saying saying thanks and you're doing your job well um finally can't remember who said it but it wasn't too long ago and i apologize most famous person in your contacts on your phone oh god do you want to go through it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this could take a while this right uh, god. there must be one that comes straight to the I'm, Top, I'm, yeah. I'm just checking in case I've maybe deleted them. I just hang on. You know when you get a new phone and like you lose half your number. Oh god, we could be here for a while. Do you want a most famous pair? Oh god, right. Um, I'll just start scrolling from the top, right, and see who we get to. Right, just, well, I don't know. I've just there's a advocate, Dick Advocate. Um, <laughs> Dick Advocate. Is he? Is he famous? Uh, is he? Uh, don't, don't, he's more famous than me. Are you, Chris? AJ. AJ. I don't think it's Anthony Joshua. I don't know who it is. I've right. just got saved as AJ. <laughs> Could be anyone. Anti Jan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Uh, right. Who are we? I'm only A's. Josie Altador. God, oh this is terrible. It's all Sunderland players. Yeah. Shola. Uh, right. I mean, I'm only A, right? This could take a long time. I can't. Well, why don't you just spin it, right? Just spin it and scroll see who it comes and stop to it and, and just see you the most famous one on there. <laughs> right. Stop now. Stop. Uh, there's gonna be nobody on that screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mom. Uh, uh, Aiden McGeady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, what do I get? Right? Some of the fans first. have the gall to say that you're all new, asshole. Right, you can use this Let's evidence where people say, "Oh, don't cover some." There we go. Tell me when to stop. Right now. Go. Oh my god! <laughs> There's another one in there. I took Karanka. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, there we go. Shall we give it up? Oh, dear, right, let me see. This could take forever, this. Um, <laughs> uh, I say that AJ wasn't Adam Johnson, was it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie will go for Auntie Juno. I'm trying to find someone Newcastle related. This is terrible. Uh, you had Shola. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You had Shola. Do you know what, mate? I'm only, I'm only, I'm only at M. There's so many names in here. <laughs> uh, I love that every single one. I feel like every one, single there's one. so many I want to say to you, but I don't want to say here. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I'm still at M. just got here. Good one for you guys. Okay. Fun, fun favourite of yours. Steve McLaren. Oh, oh my word. 
We'll take Steve McLaren, I suppose. <laughs> so we've had two ex-borough managers. <laughs> Ali, Ali McCoy, Glenn McCrory. That's a good one. Ali McCoy, you happy with yeah, that? Yeah, we're happy with that. Yeah, he's been absolutely quality. Yeah. Every time he's been on him and John Champion, he's been so good. I mean, he needs to do, be the second commentator on every game. I think I've I'll got some a couple of good Ali McCoy stories, but there's not time to tell them. Just maybe, maybe the next time. Yeah, couple of really, one. couple of really funny ones actually. It's Amazon Prime. He's on, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's on everywhere. Oh yeah, he's on. Uh, <laughs> he is. Let's see on everywhere. Yeah. Right, uh, thanks everybody who has been watching. Thanks, Keith, for joining me tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. No Enjoyed this thanks, one. For, thanks for having yeah, me. Cheers, man. No you. problem whatsoever. Um, everybody who has been watching, like I said, thank you very much. There's nearly been 700 years at, at one point there, so it's an absolute uh, joy to have all you joining us tonight as well. If you do want to like the video, appreciate it. Huge. If you want to become a member, even better. You do get early access to certain videos. Become a member, you get the monthly podcast with myself and Ryan Taylor as well, which it, it's it's a good laugh, that one. Have you watched it yet, buddy? I haven't now. Of course you haven't. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.